glad we keep getting these episode titles that just have like barely anything to do with the episode like i know this has been a running thing but just i we i got to this episode and i started writing about it and i didn't even remember hitsugaya being in this episode because this episode's titled hitsugaya's decision the clash approaches but you know we there was just nothing. There was nothing there. Like, he was there for half a second. I think we might see him make a decision, but we don't know what that decision is. I... Like, he might he might make a decision in the minute of screen time he has, but, like, we don't know. <laughs> I, I... Barely. <laughs> like, you're... Okay, you're listening to It'll Wash Out, a Bleach Rewatch podcast. I'm your co-host, Senna. And I'm your co-host, Sam. I We're just hopping right into the heated Bleach debate this week, uh, as we start with Bleach episode 94, because I don't think it's a guy I made a decision at all. Uh, this, <laughs> this is episode 94, it's a guy's decision, the clash approaches. In the pavilion by the Senzaikyu, we watch as a bomb destroys the repentance cell. Ukitake wonders aloud why they would blow it up. Yamamoto's like, well, obviously it's a declaration of war, and whoever did it must have a deep-seated hatred of Soul Society. And I'm just sitting here like, I have no idea who did this. I, I just couldn't tell you. It's not like we've been talking about the bounce and why they <laughs> might have motives to hate Soul Society for the past several episodes. I do like that he's there and he's like, listen... None of the none of these buildings are like important except as a symbol. This is obviously like a very like big symbolic uh, tr- declaration of war. But then he also met, he starts talking about how like tedious and incredibly difficult it would be to do so. And it's like no, they're sending a message. They really fucking hate us. They really hate us. They start to send for more investigation squads, and then Hitsugaya and Matsumoto meet up whilst running. Like, okay, there's, like, a very quick cut to Hitsugaya's face as he looks frustrated, like, before he, like, runs off. And then he runs off, and then Matsumoto meets up with him. And Hitsugaya's like, I failed, I didn't stop the bounce. And then Matsumoto is like, let's stop them now, and that concludes Hitsugaya's decision. That's the entirety of it. 
so the the wording that I had was, I failed, they got us, and what Ma- Rangiku says is, then let's get them back. Yes, it's exactly that. <laughs> Which I, re- I really like, because like, in the last episodes, uh, Hitsugaya was the one that was like, hey, don't worry about it. You know, fuck ups happen. We're gonna fuck. We're gonna deal with it. And now Rangiku's the one turning it around, being like, "Listen, you were you were just being like, hey, don't worry about it." So I'm telling you, don't worry about it. We'll get him. It's it's cool. It's okay. No one got hurt. It's fine. Yeah, I I do really like the characterization here because like you're right. Uh, they have a really good relationship going on here, and it's good to see them like helping each other. You know. Stay stay cool and collected when they feel like they fucked up. I'm really happy to see that. Forever surprised to have a captain and a vice captain have a competent working relationship. Right? It, it, it's But it, it's just the fact that the episode is titled Hitsugaya's Decision, and we don't even really see him make the decision. Matsumoto just says, let's get them back, and then silently he just follows her. That's the entire thing. That's his decision. Yeah, no, see, he makes a decision at, he makes a decision about something in his head. We just have no fucking idea what it is, and we'll probably <laughs> learn about it, like, three episodes from now. <laughs> or we'll learn about it, like, an episode from now and find out it wasn't a decision at all. Could also be true. <laughs> the class, of, the clash approaches, so we, we better get moving. Uh, meanwhile, Byakuya watches over Rukia as she lays in bed, still recovering. He walks out, and Ichigo, like, immediately demands to know- he demands to know if she's alright. Byakuya tells him her life isn't in danger, but the wound is deep, so she should continue to rest. Kuroro and Lirin exclaim the power of sibling love, and Ichigo thanks Byakuya for saving her before asking for his assistance and going after the bounce. Byakuya is like, no. <laughs> he just, like, straight up says no. And he's like, there's no need for us to join forces. When the Gote 13 is already working on it, you should go back to the world of the living. That's where you belong. Just go back. We don't need you here. Yeah, he's just like, no, listen, we got this. It's fine. Listen, trust the police, Ichigo. That's exactly what he says. He's basically just saying, trust the cops to do their job. And it's like, mm, Ichigo. No, no, he's, you- he's saying something that's worse. He's saying... Don't get in the cops' way. You're right. You're right. He basically, um, Ichigo, not, I, I should specify, Ichigo says, I get it. It's fine. We're still enemies in your head. And he turns to leave. And he asks Arahime to come with him. Uh, she, like, quickly turns and thanks Byakuya for taking care of Rukia. And then the two leave. Uh, as Ichigo also asks Byakuya to take care of Rukia. In the Kusachishi district of Runkagai, many souls are having a good time at the local gambling den when Karya walks in, asking to join in. When asked what he has to bet, he pulls out a knife and just, like, throws it into a table, and the owner's like, you must be new around here for betting your life. We do things a little differently here in Soul Society. He's basically saying, if I lose, you can use the knife to cut off my fingers. Yeah, essentially that. Karya's just like, most edgelord shit pains the same in either world. And then that somehow gets approval from the owner. But one of the other residents is like, dude, what are you doing? You, If you come in here talking like that, I'm just going to break your nose. 
And we get, like, a cut right after this that just, like, signifies some time has passed. Uh, with Karya winning, like, a card game. Uh, I don't know what card game this was. It looked like unique cards, so it might just be a thing they made up. Um, but he wins a card game, and the man accuses him of cheating, and attempts to stab him. Karya just, like, grabs the blade with, like, no fucking effort, and throws him into a wall. Uh, and he's like, I had heard the men of Kusajushi were the toughest in the Rukon district. I really hope that was true. And then Koga walks in, and it just tells everybody they couldn't hope to defeat Karya. Karya seems, like, really disappointed that his fun time is over when Koga calls in for Ichinose and asks for his help dealing with Karya. I really like that Karya just, like, came to Soul Society and is just, like, a dog looking for fun. <laughs> He's like he, a toddler running around. He immediately has gotten drunk off the air, and he's like, yo, I want to go fight some people. I want to have some fun. And then people fight him, and he's like, oh my gosh, you're so boring. God. <laughs> he's basically doing what Zoraki would do if Zoraki ever went to the human world. You're not wrong. He's basically like evil Zoraki. <laughs> well, evil vampire Zoraki right now. There we go. <laughs> Sorry for my mistake. Um, the locals recognize Ichinose as a soul reaper, but he's like, no, I'm not from Seirete. I'm not a soul reaper anymore. I'm not that. Don't worry about it. Uh, the locals, because they're just like a bunch of people in this den, uh, they try to attack, but both Koga and Ichinose just like fin them off completely easily. They don't really kill anybody. Uh, they just kind of like knock everybody around and be like, hey, Y'all are powerless. Kogyo tells Karya that they should keep things more on the down low, unless they want to be found immediately. Karya's like, but that would be fun if we were found immediately. Uh, and Kogyo's just like, frustratedly grumbling, basically. Team Dad has had enough of this shit. <laughs> For real, like, I just can't believe Karya is just like, eh, who cares about plans, I'm just gonna kill people. Karya walks up to the owner of the place, and he like the owner asks why they're here, to which Karya responds with his own question. Would you like to join us in turning Soul Society upside down? Leading the man to realize who these three strangers really are. I just... <laughs> I, I know it's just, like, the phrasing here is, like, as it should be. There's nothing out of place here. But my, my silly brain was just like, what if he just, like, actually physically turn soul society upside down and all the souls just rain down to earth boo nothing nothing from that you're getting something <laughs> it's booing boo <laughs> that's fair it wasn't anything it was just a funny thought meanwhile the soul reapers are still searching everywhere for the bounce with like no luck and Yachiru is just, like, watching from Kenpachi's office, like, from a window. And she, like, even giggles at one of them as they fall down because they're just all scrambling with, like, no fucking luck. Kenpachi gets up and Yachiru is like, oh, are you joining the race to find the bounce? And Kenpachi's like, nah, I'm just going to the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> and she asks, uh, Kenpachi asks if Yachiru is bored. And she says she's actually relieved, because I know you wouldn't have fun fighting Ichinose, since he's with the Bounce now. Kenpachi actually- I actually really like what Kenpachi says here. Um, and he basically says, 
it doesn't matter whether I'd have fun fighting him or not, because he's already proved his weakness by joining with the bounce. And that kind of ends the scene. I really liked that part. Yeah, it's just like, oh yeah, Zoraki like actually has thoughts and interiority about people that aren't just where Ichigo me fight. Yeah, he he's not just the fighting guy. Like, it, it's nice to see like any characterization for him. So like, I I was happy with this. He's like ninety percent fighting guy. Yeah, like ninety <laughs> percent's a good percent. Ichigo and Orihime arrive at Kukaku's as they theorize over why the bounce would blow up Senzaikyu. It's obvious they're after revenge, so obviously they want everybody to know who's doing this. Chad arrives, and he's like, hey, sorry I didn't get to Rukia time. Like, I wanted to help her. And Ichigo's like, hey, it's fine. She's being taken care of by Byakuya. Like, he saved her. Everything's good. And Chad's just like, okay. And that's, like, the extent of the Chad we get in this episode. <laughs> Chad, maybe we should teach you how to flash that. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Se- seems like it might be useful. <laughs> might be a good idea. <laughs> Koganehiko and Shiroganehiko show up, and they both ask Ichigo what's wrong, because he looks, like, really down. Uh, and then they immediately tell him there's something interesting he should see outside. So they all go outside, and the brothers turn a crank, so that the hands, like the giant arms outside of Kukaku's house, the hands of the arms that are holding the banner just open up. That's that's all it does. Uh, is like really impressed, but Ichigo's like, well, I guess it's... What is it? <laughs> it's like, it sure is a little bit different than what it was two minutes ago, I suppose. Both the brothers are like, how could you say that? What are you talking about? And then, basically, Ichigo falls over from the the brothers getting, like, frustrated. He just, like, falls over in surprise. And he sees two of the men from the Kusaji Sea District uh, riding on boars calling for Ganju as they run directly into the Great Kukaku Arms, which is what they are called. They are called the Great Kukaku Arms. uh, And they break them. Uh, and these are two men from Ganju's, like, squad, basically. Yeah, it's just two dudes that we had seen previously, and they were hanging out around the gambling plate, the gam- the little gambling hall when the Karia showed up, and yeah. when shit started going down, they were like, what if we left? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I don't blame them. I really don't. We cut to inside, as the two informed the gang of what happened when Karia showed up, Ganju explains that it would make sense that Kari would seek out Kusajishi, uh, seeing as it's a tough town, and Kukaku just cuts him off, stating that's an understatement, and then she asks the two boar riders what they were doing in Kusajishi anyway. Uh, they, like, don't really provide a straight answer, like, they try and come up with a couple lies, and she punches them and is like, hey, if you can't, like, talk about what you're doing without lying, then don't do it. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Like, Kind of wish Kukaku was more than just punchy girl right now, but, like, okay. Yeah, she does mention that, uh, like, Kusajishi, like, obviously none of them are soul reapers or could stand up to most soul, to at least, like, anyone in the Gote 13, but they are, like, pretty strong compared to usual Rukangai standards, and there's a lot, there is a lot of them, so if all of them gathered together, it could be relatively dangerous. She does mention that. Ichigo decides it's time to go, 
Uryu shows up, and then he's like, hey, I've changed my mind. I'm going with you. And Kukaku says, like, hey, you should head out immediately. Because, uh, like, Ganju was originally like, hey, we're going to head out first thing in the morning. And Kukaku's like, no, you're heading out now. So Ganju's like, okay, time to acquaint you with my boar army. So we go outside, and we finally get the names of all of Ganju's boars. There's Bonnie, Connie, Tony, Annie, Sunny, Honey, Manny, Nanny, and Kanbei. <laughs> and it, it should be noted that two of the names are different in the dub. Uh, I believe it was Tony and Annie become Cindy and Mindy in the dub. And, like, I, I, I was theorizing with Sam, it's probably just because, like, in the Japanese, it's probably likely that they tried to use Ani for Annie. And, like, they were trying to get it to rhyme better in English. So, that's the mystery of the Cindy-Mindy change, probably. Probably. Yeah, Tawny and Ani changed to Cindy and Mindy. Yeah. So now it's Connie, Bonnie, Cindy, Mindy, Sunny, Honey, Mandy, Nanny, Kanbei. Yeah. It, it works. Like, both work. Ganju orders the team to their positions, but Ichigo's like, I ain't riding on a boar! And he just, like, flash steps away and starts running. <laughs> It's like, I can teleport jump. No thanks. Bye. <laughs> the rest of the squad, however, decides to, like, move out. Uh, and then Rukia wakes up and realizes she's in the Kuchiki house. And then she just, like, notes that her brother was here recently because she, like, feels the, like, pillow that's, like, next to the bed where Byakia was, like, sitting. And she notes it's, like, still warm. So, like, he was definitely here. Kone gets horny, and then Uryu struggles to ride a boar, while Orohime just has fun. The owner of the den at Kusajushi appears to have agreed to help the bounce, as he tells them to make themselves at home, while Kari asks if he can find some capable men. He says it won't be a problem, he'll have some men for you by the morning, and Kogo apologizes to Kari for bringing him to this town, but Kari is like, eh! Kari, he just like dismisses it. And he's like, Ichinose, though, you seem like you've been acting strangely. And Koga's like, actually, I think you've been acting strangely. You, I have this almost imperceptible feeling that, well, never mind. And then Kari's like, yeah, no, I am acting weird. It's because I feel free for the very first time. Because, like, everything here is just, like, so fresh. I feel alive. I'm drunk on souls. We're good. Uh, it's it's freedom. I love freedom. Like, Karia definitely, he feels like he's having, he's going through a manic high. Yeah. Like, 100%. The way he's walking around, the way he's talking to Koga and Ichido, it's just like, okay, so he's having his manic high now. And Koga's like, could, could you chill? Like, just a little bit, please. Just a, just a tad. Come on, Karia. You remember the plan, right? Fuck the plan! <laughs> and also, so he says, you know, he's getting the old dude to gather a bunch of people for him, and I'm like, I'm pretty much 50-50 on whether it's because he wants to cause a riot as a distraction for the Shinigami, or because he wants to slurp up their soldiers. Yeah, I'm not entirely clear on what he's planning there yet, but... If, if there's anything we've learned about Manakai Karia is that I don't think he knows what he's planning yet, either. <laughs> yeah, you know what, you're probably right. Uryu realizes that Ganju and the rest of the gang are actually lost. 
Con stays horny, and then we cut to Ichigo, and Liren's still searching. Some of the men from Kusachishi wander into Ganju, like, basically their whole squad is just, like, lost in the forest. Uh, and those men wander into Ganju, and he's like, I'll be asking the questions around here. And then with Bonnie's help, he takes the men down, and then we cut back to Byakuya, wandering through the forest as he encounters Karya. Karya taunts him, asking if he's here to avenge Rukia, but Byakuya is just like, I don't care about that. I just have to kill any enemy of Soul Society, no matter the cost. And then Karya laughs, and he lets out a burst of wind and energy, and then the episode just ends. I really like this whole bit with Byakuya, that, like, this continues into the next episode, where he's like, it doesn't matter if I'm here for revenge or not. The point is, it's my responsibility to fucking kill you. And it doesn't matter why I'm doing it, because at the end, you're going to be dead. Yeah, I, I really liked it, too. Uh, it, I really do like Byakuya this episode, even if he's, like, a little bitch boy. But, like, I feel like that's prime Byakuya flavor anyway. So, like, I was happy to see him acting the way he did this episode. It felt consistent. Um, mm-hmm. at least to me. Yeah. That being said, I, I, I feel like this episode was a little bit weak. Uh, like, there were some funny bits, but it, it kind of just felt like stuff was happening at me, not like I was, like, watching a story. Well, it's all, it's all set up, right? Yeah, 100%. Like, I, I know... Once the setup pays off, like, it'll be better. But it's just, like, when you have an episode that's, like, basically all set up, it can get, like, a little heavy-handed. Yeah, one of those episodes where you're like, did they do this episode later when they were like, wait, we forgot to set up X, Y, and Z. Hold on. (laughs) What was the post-credits bit this time, Sam? So the post-credits bit, we see everyone at Ganju's place, and Ganju's just complaining. He's like, man... Just once, I'd like to be able to tell my big sis, like, I'd like to tell her off, tell her how I, what I, how I feel when she's, like, mouthing off at me. And Claude just turns into her, and that gives Ganju an opportunity to just call Claude stupid over and over and over again, until he realizes that the real Kokaku is standing right behind him and is more than ready to launch him into the stratosphere. I would have liked this bit more if, like, the initial drawing of Kurodo as Kukaku wasn't, like, as horny as it was, because, like, it got really weirdly horny for, like, half a second, and I'm like, "Mm, I don't really need to see Kukaku, who's already, like, pretty sexualized. Like, I don't need to see her like that. Yeah, Claude, which, let's not forget, he is as, almost as bad as Kong. Like, he is the horny one of of their trio. Uh, he turns into into Kaku and he like falls into Ganju's lap and he's like, "Ganju, you can do anything you want to my body. Let all your frustrations out." And Ganju's just like, "I appreciate that Ganju just completely ignores how fucking weird he's being, and he's yeah. just like, stupid, 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 stupid." <laughs> yeah, no, like I, I appreciate Ganju here. I think like the bit overall works. It's just. Krodo, please, just stop. You don't need to do that. Obviously, not gonna linger on the cone bits this episode. Just, like, they they weren't good. It was just horny cone bits. And, you know, that's all that needs to be said. Should we cut to break? <laughs> I'm I'm just gonna say for the cone bits, in case they come back up again in a, fu- in a future post-credit scene, 
he's hanging out with a waitress at a restaurant. That's it. That that's the entire bit. He's hanging out with a waitress and he's horny. That's that's the bit. But now let's get a break. Let's cut to break. Alright, let's get back into it with episode 95, Byakuya Takes the Field, Dance of the Wind-Splitting Cherry Blossoms. The episode starts with Byakuya and Karia just, like, standing off, and both of them are just going, Oh, you don't need to take a stance against me? <laughs> like, you know, big dick swinging and all that. Byakuya just goes in with his usual flash that behind the enemy, which Karia dodges, but he does get grazed a little bit, and then he disappears himself. They attack a couple of times back and forth, Byakuya is forced to dodge. He even asks, like, oh, is that thing that I can't see, is that your doll? I've heard that you guys use dolls. Uh, they jump around, they fly a lot, they attack each other. Uh, Byakuya with his blade, and Karia, he's got, like, some air spirals around his fists, and he's just kind of, like, punching and kicking. Um, I'm giving him, like, a, a simple description, because there's... There's no way that I can make this description sound good, uh, yeah. but honestly, it is like it does look great. Like it is one, of, it is one of the like cooler looking fights. Uh, I think they must have gotten some guest animators just because it looks, it looks a lot like. I guess the best description is it's not that it looks like something trigger animated. It's that it looks like that one episode of Metabots that trigger animated. That's an incredibly apt description like i don't know what you're talking about because i haven't watched metabots in like years but that sounds incredible <laughs> yeah it's just there's one specific episode where you know they had some guest animate well there's a lot of episodes they had a guest animators in, but there was one it was the people who would end up forming trigger and uh definitely it's got like th that kind of vibe um uh, just long limbs big static shots between between movement uh, looks very dynamic, regardless, so, anyways, I, rec you know, I recommend wa actually watching this one, or at least watching the first five minutes, it's, it's a fun time. Yeah. Kadi ends up, like, stopping, he explains, oh yeah, like, he wanted to fight Byakuya, because Byakuya has, he's part of one of the four noble families, he's one of the strongest notable families, he's the strongest in that family's history. He's considered one of the greatest captains of the current generation. Like, he's incredibly popular. Like, so it's like, obviously, of course, someone like me who likes to fight people would want to test my skills against you. But also, if I beat the shit out of the great Byakuya, you know, it'll shake people's faith in the 13 court guards. Like, it'll make people think, oh, oh shit. Like, he can do, he can do stuff. It's like at this point, it, it it's it got me wondering: Is Karya actually like trying to plan this out specifically to like crush morale, or did he just get lucky that Biakia happened to be the one who like found him, and now he's just like, oh yeah, I'll roll with this and make it sound like it was my plan. Yeah, and it's like he even says like I'm. He's surprised that Biakia would actually save Rukia over just like completely destroying Yoshi. Uh, and then 
walk headlong towards him for revenge. And Byakuya, you know, like like last episode, he's like, it doesn't actually fucking matter why I'm going to kill you. The result is, I'm gonna fucking kill you. <laughs> uh, he summons his Zenbon Zakura. Uh, although, like, Kadia just gets completely enveloped. And then after a while, he just appears completely unharmed. And he's like, ah, looks like the technique's not gonna work on me. Well, my turn. And he summons a big orb of violent wind around him, as well as several tornadoes that move in towards Byakuya. Uh, there, there is a bit where it's like, there's some really stylish, like, it's like one still image made in ink on paper. Like, yeah. Um, what's the, the term? Yashike? No. That's an anime genre that's completely different um but yeah, it's just like like paint brushed ink on paper uh, and it's just this one shot of Byakuya getting hit by tornadoes and the camera just like keeps zooming in and out at different angles and i'm like <laughs> it look it looks cool but i can't tell if this is being done because the director was like no we're doing this as it's gonna look cool or if they're doing it because they ran out of time animating the rest of the episode and they're <laughs> using the storyboard and just zooming in on it. <laughs> it you know, who could say? <laughs> who could say at this point? 50-50. Um, <laughs> so, Kadia, like, turns and he starts walking off because he's like, huh, cool guy, I don't even have to look to know I killed him. But Byakuya is just, like, breaks out of the tornado he's in and he starts hucking lightning bolts. <laughs> like, He's like, hey, did you forget that I know, like, hundreds of spells and a bunch of them are di just different ways for me to throw lightning at you? <laughs> we have at least ten designated spells for lightning alone. At least. We get another quick exchange. They, they're fighting. They exchange blows. Uh, Kadia is, like, pretty confident that none of Byakuya's moves can touch him through his wind. Uh, Byakuya is entirely nonplussed. They they clash again, and it's like, it looks like both of them stopped short, but also both of them managed to slice the other's neck just a little bit. But there's no indication that they stopped each other's blows. It just looks like both of them decided to stop short. <laughs> Which is weird. There, there are a lot of points of this fight that look really really cool and then there are a lot of points like this where it's just like i'm not entirely clear on what just happened yeah so they go at, they go at it again they exchange blows again and this time katia actually grabs the sword and he's like well can't we can't split up now and he summons his tornado point blank and byakuya just explodes his blade into the thousand petals and it just creates this giant display of power like it's senbon zakura tornado just going up into the sky. Uh, doesn't last too long, though, because Ichigo sees it, and he's like, mm, I think I'm gonna go over here and cause trouble. And he tosses a Getsuka Tencho into it. I think I'll cause problems on purpose. I do really love the smirk he has, because he's like, Hey, Byakuya, hey, hey, why are you having a hard time? I thought you didn't need my help. What's up? <laughs> I, The more I see Karia fight the more I like his style of, well, I can't really be hurt, so I'm just gonna go all in and, like, make you think you're gonna hurt me, and I'm just gonna, like, have a shit-eating grin the entire time you can't hurt me. And I, I don't know, I dig that fighting style. I think, like, I don't expect the show to, like, fully capitalize on that, 
But, like, I think it would be really cool if they did. Were you talking about him or Zoraki? Da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> I'm telling you, they're, they're the same. They are the same. You're not wrong. One of them just has things he wants to do. One of, one of them has ambition, the other wants to fight. At this point, we go back to Ganju's group and the various thugs, and everyone's like, oh, that is very obviously Ichigo, like, fighting. Wait, where'd Uryu go? Ah, shit. <laughs> <laughs> but Ganju tells Odihime and Chad, like, hey, wait, no, let him go. We have to stay in the background, so let's interrogate these guys instead. I'm, I'm really... <sighs> I kind of understand here, but I really do not like the points in this arc where they're just like, hmm, well, they sure are fighting and we could help them, but we should stay put because we're the background characters. Yeah, and Gondru does drop a bit here where he says like, oh, I guess I'll have to talk with him, the bull of Kusajishi. Oh. presumably one of his rivals or something, I guess. Um, I'm expecting a dude to show up looking exactly like Ganju, but with bull horns. <laughs> uh, the way I kind of interpreted this was I, I kind of thought the bull of Kusajishi might be the like leader of that gambling den. But I, I don't have like more proof on that. I just have a feeling that's who that is. The only reason that I think that's not the case is that I feel like the underlings wouldn't have said, why are you going to go talk to him? They would have said, oh, no, he, like, absolutely is working with the Bound. He, like, accepted them into his gambling den after, like, as we were leaving. Yeah, that's fair. That That's fair. I don't have a retort for that. Uh, meanwhile, we get a glimpse at what Koga and Maki are doing, because they're, like, you know, they're telling all the dudes in the gambling den how they're gearing up to fight the Serite, and all souls in so- within soul society should be equal, and Koga's just giving this big, impassionate communist speech to bring everyone to a new world and convince them all to fight with the bounty against Serite. And the leader's like, okay, fine. Give us proof of your determination. Or of your or of your strength. You know, give us proof of something. You know, we can't just go fight the Soul Reapers based on words. So Koga says, like, okay, sure. Hey, Maki, cut my arm. (laughs) (laughs) He does, uh, and it's like, he shows them the cut, how it's it's bleeding, and then he shows them heal. Uh, He shows the cut healing as he's, like, absorbing Reishi from the air. And he's like, oh, don't worry. We're invincible, and we're going to kill the Seireite. (laughs) I mean, it's not a bad argument. (laughs) Like, he's got a point. (laughs) I feel like he he could also just, like, touched the wall and, like, absorbed it into his pinky, just be like, I can eat everything in here. Well, maybe that would have made them more fearful than appreciative. Back at the big standoff, Kari is surprised at how fast Ichigo got there, and Byaki is just like, I will treat you as an enemy if you interfere. If you cause problems on purpose, you better you better be prepared <laughs> to have problems come your way. If you cause problems on purpose, I will cause problems on purpose back! <laughs> it really is. And while they're talking, Kadi is just like, Ah, good, good healing air. Just give me some. Mm, that's some good healing air you've got here. <laughs> that's really just all he's doing. He's just standing there. He's like, well, 
Alright, it's time to heal up. Like, he's spreading his arms out, just taking in the reishi, and he's glowing, and they're just arguing on the side. It's really funny. It's pretty good. Uh, and then, you know, he says, like, alright, I'm good, let's go. Uh, he summons his wind, Ichigo also wastes no time, he just goes immediately into Bankai, and, but this time, Karai can actually keep up with his speed compared to when they were in the human world. Byakuya is just, like, watching from where he's standing, following the action with his eyes, like, looking left and right really fast and then he's like okay enough of this and he summons his own bankai and both of the others have to dodge the, the attack he does <laughs> he tells Ichigo he's in the way again and we have a three way standoff to end the episode I, I do really like the bit here where Lirin just does the fucking like dragon ball thing where she's like looking at them and she's like wow they're moving so fast I, I can't tell what they're doing, because they're moving so fast. Meanwhile, it's just, like, them slamming into each other and occasionally, like, stopping. And it's like, I mean, I can tell what's happening. <laughs> but it's like, okay, yeah, we'll just do the Dragon Ball thing, sure. Yeah, well, it's like, like in Dragon Ball, when we can tell what's happening is because we're seeing it through the eyes of Byakuya, who can tell what's happening. When we can't tell what's happening and they're just, like, jumping around invisibly... That's when we're looking through Lirin's eyes. Yeah, for sure. And finally, the post credit scene for this one is Ganju introduces his crew to Chad Onorihime. We've got Fifer, who has no sense of rhythm. Dumbbell, a natural at taking care of animals. Top, the weakest at fighting and also arguments. <laughs> Why do you have to do dirty like that, man? <laughs> Yeah, come on, be nice. <laughs> and Hawk, the number one henchman, good at cooking. Odumi asks <laughs> if Ganju's the one who gave them the nicknames. Chad remarks that, much like with the boars, Ganju really sucks at naming things. <laughs> I don't know, I kind of like these guys' names. I, I, I think they're fun. I think they're fine. Dumbbell yeah. is great. <laughs> <laughs> God. Oh. This, this episode was definitely better than the first episode this week. I, um, like, it was mainly just action, but that wasn't, like, a problem. It, it, it was still good. I liked it. Yeah, it was a brisk watch. I like Koga just being like, the system is oppressing you, and you must gather, and we will make sure that all souls are equal in the new world. <laughs> the thing is, I don't disagree with Koga here, like, at all. Like, I, I, I don't have a real reason to, like, root for Soul Society, except for the fact that, you know, Ichigo's working with them. It, it, because, you know, we we talked about this a lot in, like, Seasons 2 and 3, how, you know, Soul Society's practices aren't really inherently good. They're, they're very, very, very much cops. So it's just like, I don't know, what Koga says here, I'm kind of on his side. <laughs> Oh, see, that's, that's the secret. I am not on Soul Society's side. I am hoping that Ichigo makes it, makes it out of it relatively unharmed, but definitely, I could not give a shit about Soul Society. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Like, I, I really want to like Byakuya more, because, like, I, I do like Byakuya as a character. I just, 
really hope at some point in the show, and I know, like, a filler arc is not the time for that to happen. I really do hope at some point in the show that I'm just, like, forgetting. He gets a little slightly less cop and, like, shows some emotion. No, no. See, that's the thing. If he gets less cop, he'll become less interesting. Because at this point, Byakuya has fully crossed over the event horizon of, like, being so cop that it's actually kind of cool, and you're like, I love this shitty cop. I love when he's on screen <laughs> and being just a really shitty, shitty cop. <laughs> I I can't disagree with you. Like, I do like seeing him be really shitty and, like, angry towards Ijigo and be like, hey, I'm gonna fucking fight you if you interfere. And I do like seeing Bianca like that, so... <laughs> I, I'm kind of on the same side, but I, I'd like to see either. I'd, I'd like to see more character development, but it's a filler arc. What are you going to do? Well, I think that about does it for this week, Sam. Uh, you can find us online on Twitter at BleachCast. You can find me on Twitter at Lavender underscore pause. And you can find me on Twitter at SSBSLJ. Thanks for listening as always. I hope you have a nice week. Stay cool chats. It's cool not growing old. I like being the eternal stud. <laughs> what is this from? What is this from? <laughs> Shina, Kitakunai, she
I'm not afraid. 